And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Ben with Bubba, episode 626. We continue our team-by-team previews for the 2024 fantasy baseball season. And we head to the AL Central, a place where a lot of fantasy analysts like to go, hey, you want pitchers in this division, or hey, you want this because of the quality of the teams. But some of these teams are slowly getting better with the youth or with some minor moves in free agency. And today's team, the Kansas City Royals, love them or hate them, have actually made some moves this offseason. Like, as a Giants fan, I would, wouldn't have cared if they would have made some of these moves. At least do something. That would have been fun. And to help me break down the Royals this year, from the young uh, Royals and to the older Royals and to the new pitchers we discussed, is a friend of mine. I've met him a few times at First Pitch Arizona. I had the pleasure of golfing uh, or in a golfing group with this individual. I haven't had him in my foursome just yet. That might change in the coming years. Uh, you can find him on the On The Wire podcast, uh, which is an amazing show with Adam Howe as co-host. And you can find him on Twitter at Hastings Kevin. Kevin Hastings, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing amazing, Bubba. It's always great to talk baseball, especially with you and especially when we're talking Kansas City Royals. Let's do this. Yep, it's going to be fun. Um, before we get started, let everybody know what they can uh, win or what you got going on with the On The Wire show and anything else you got, you're, you're up to. Yeah, absolutely. In season, we're a, a fab-based podcast, Adam Howe and myself. Uh, Adam does an amazing job. Uh, he he runs the show uh, and uh, actually does an amazing job with uh, directing all of the Pitcher List podcasts. Uh, and we record as late as possible Saturday evening, so it's up to date for Sunday fab runs in a large majority of the leagues many of us play in. Off season, we do other topics. We kind of try to at least steer it towards what we might be doing in season when when Fab comes around, uh, and we record a, a little earlier in the week. But uh, yeah, we're getting geared up, uh, and you know, our first Fab run is only a couple of months away. Yeah, it'll be here before we know it. Spring trainings are about. Uh... I think it's all like 45, 50 days, give or take. Like it's it's coming, folks. It's going to be beautiful. We'll have baseball, football <laughs> out of the way. It, it's time to have some fun <laughs> here in the baseball world. So let's talk Kansas City Royals. Um, this is a team that it, it's a fun team on paper, especially you've got the Bobby Woods who we'll talk about and some other young players. You saw some veterans there. Um, there's some people like the average fan might not even know about who we'll talk about, like in Kyle Isbell and others. But then the pitching staff, we saw Cole Reagans and company jump onto the scene last year, and they made a few more moves in the in the offseason there. So let's start at the top here. Let's start with the man, Bobby Wood Jr. That this time last year, it was the conversations, is he even worthy of a first-round pick? Like, what are people taking him in the first round for? I think he um, he, he he quieted those those people. Just going to throw that out there. Um, you finish with a, a, a 276, 30 homers. Uh, 49 stolen bases. That's a pretty darn good season for a 23-year-old in the second season of baseball. And uh, now he's he's definitely worthy of the first-round selection. So what's your thoughts on Bobby Witt coming into this season? Is there like even another level we can expect? Did he overachieve last year? What are your expectations? I honestly think we can still see a little bit of improvement. He started off slow in 2023. There was even talk of him getting sent down to triple a at one point early in the year and uh shout out to scott chu and his rolling graphs and i know he was here on your show just a few weeks ago talking his rolling graphs rolling charts and i pulled one up for bobby witt jr a couple of days ago and i have both the the o swing percentage 
and zone contact percentage on the same chart. O swing, nice, steady dropping in the O swing percentage, got him down to about 34% average for the entire season. But for the final four months of the season, for the most part, other than, than the peaks in that rolling chart, he was below that. And zone contact steadily went up throughout the season, uh, up above 90% at, at many points throughout the second half and and even you know final four months of the season so overall numbers could actually improve i know that'll be a hard for a lot of people to believe but i i do believe it and he's my number two of course ronald acuna jr is number one bobby witt jr is my number two i have concerns with corbin carroll's shoulder i understand uh of course uh julio rodriguez worthy in that spot as well. Mookie Betts, if you're looking at position eligibility, second base, great spot. I can understand that. But in on my overall draft chart, Bobby Witt Jr. is my number two. Well, over the last month on NFBC ADP for draft champions drafts, there's been 13 drafts, uh, basically. Bobby Witt's number two there, too. He has a 2.77 uh, ADP. J-Rod, uh, Julio's got a 285, so they're right next to each other. Um, but Witt's gone between second and fourth in those 13 drafts. So everyone's got a pretty good uh, agreement with you, at least. You know, if they're not two, they're probably three. Like, and maybe one slipped to four, and that person's, like, giddy. It's like, oh, wow, Bobby Witt came to me. This is great. So he's definitely there. And, you know, you look at the projections, and it's fun because – you know, projections are very. Um, I always say cautious. It might not be the wrong word, right, right word, but they're 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 safer than than you'd want. And they still have Bobby hitting thirty and 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 stealing forty two. Almost like he had forty nine steals last year, but still thirty homers, uh, hitting two seventy eight. Basically, almost the same line he had last season, which is great because, like you said, if he improves, which you like to think most kids going from I call him, we can call him kid twenty three to yeah. twenty four. Um, like there's still room for massive improvements. Like we saw what Acuna has done since he's gotten older and all these guys, they get better and better as with age. And uh, I'm with you on Bobby's. He's, he's it just, it's just so comical to me and we've all done it and we'll continue to do it for the rest of time probably. But all those conversations last year about should he be a first round pick? And now he's basically the second pick in drafts. It, it just says, it speaks volumes to what this kid has done. So big fan of what we see in Bobby Wood Jr. All right, now it gets um, interesting to me because this is a player that Salvador Perez, I've loved Salvi for years, and I say years because the dude's going to be 34 this season. And that's just my biggest question for you as a Royals fan, as a guy that watches this team, pays attention to him. You know, he still hit for average last year. He played in 140 games. That's usually his thing, like a play, play, play. Power was there. He had that one exceptional 2021, but kind of has fallen back into line with who he's been in years past. Um, is what what are our thoughts on Salvi? Because when you when you look at Salvi, still the sixth catcher off the board right now with an ADP around one forty. Yeah, I think that's a and that's about the right spot. And he's kind he's at the at the top of that next tier, right? We see a few guys go um, a couple of rounds earlier, and then there's five guys that go within a. 15 to 20 picks of each other and he he's the top one in that range i it, very safe for the power 
Uh, I'm a little concerned in the plate appearances that Steamer has him projected for just because the Royals have more options and are going to need to find plate appearances for other players in that DH spot. But he's still going to get a lot of days at DH. He's going to get more plate appearances than the average catcher out there. Um, I think the projections are right on. They're kind of a little bit of improvement uh, over the last couple of seasons where he still had 23 home runs both years, 80 or close to it, RBI, uh, 255-ish average. They're projecting him for 260. I, I think he's very safe. As, as far as catchers going in that range of the, the five or six guys all going, you know, just what are we, what are we talking about? Eighth roundish right there. Give so in 15 team leagues, I, yeah, he, he's, I think he's very safe in that spot with the caveat. He might drop down. I still think he'll have over 500 plate appearances, which is great for a catcher maybe not close to 600 as he has had in the past. Yeah, the 600 is my concern with him because I love Salvi. I think the skills, even with age, is great. He fits the mold for DHing. Last year, he played first base for 23 games because Vinny P was on the IL. Obviously, knock on wood, Vinny P's going to play the whole season. He's healthy right now. So the, the I guess the biggest question for fantasy players will be, will those 23 games, how much of that translates to DH games or days off? That'll be the the question with Salvi, and that'll play into the plate appearances, like you said. That's where I think some of the lost plate appearances come from to get him closer to 500 than 600, as you're saying. Still a very good player. Not that many guys get 600 plate appearances at catcher anymore. Only the elite do that. Um, so I guess he's more palatable nowadays in drafts at the 140-ish range, where the last few years after he hit those 40-something home runs, he was the people were drafting him like an elite, elite catcher. And now he's kind of fallen back to where he was before and much more serviceable in that regard. Getting older, but the DH will play pretty well for Salvi Perez. MJ Melendez, this was supposed to be the future at catcher. Now he's the outfielder for, for the uh for the Kansas City Royals because there's other catchers we'll talk about that are playing well. It's a you know, I guess maybe an embarrassment, Richards. I don't know how you want to say it. But uh Melendez is it was at uh, not the year many hoped for last year, but still signs of maybe hope and optimism again he's only gonna be 25 this year so still super young and his adp is only 291 because he's outfield only so what are your thoughts on mj melinda's hit in 2024 you know bubba at uh first pitch arizona back in november uh at the live bubba and the bloom podcast uh you and ryan did a a trivia with uh the very few drafts that had been occurring so far the difference in average draft position. And there was a player in the 70s in 2023 draft season that was going in the 300s. And my guess was that was MJ Melendez. And I was wrong, but it, it's very close yeah. uh, to that. Uh, he, he was definitely someone that, that could fit that mold. That's due to losing the catcher eligibility. Of course, that made him such a high draft pick in 2023. I think he's fallen too far. Uh, people just are assuming, oh, he's not catcher eligible. He's not doing enough to be an outfielder in fantasy leagues, but especially in five outfielder leagues, he, he's being overlooked. 
I know we can get in a little bit of trouble if we look at too much at first half, second half splits, but this was steady improvement throughout the season by MJ Melendez. A lot of Royals fans are looking for a breakout year with him playing full-time outfield now after an entire offseason and the season prior being in that position, a uh, little less of worrying about learning a new defensive position. You know, in the second half, he hit 273, had 10 of his 16 home runs in 70, 80 less plate appearances. Uh, so we're looking for that to continue. I think he's, um, you know, a, might not hit 273, but 260-ish. 25 home runs, handful of stolen bases. This is somebody I think could be pretty valuable, especially in those five outfielder leagues. Yeah, and I'm 100% with you. That's one reason, many reasons why I love doing these team-by-team uh, -team previews because we talk about so many players and we all have biases. That's one of the things I talk about and many others talk about a lot is we have to find ways to like, okay, take in what took place because that happened, but then also like what, like do we just believe that's who they are? who they aren't like 25 years old. Like, you're, like I just said with Bobby Witt going to be 23. Uh, these guys are still so young. There's so much development. Like it's, it's the old adage um, like with baseball HQ and Ron Chandler um, draft skills, not roles. Andrew Lynn is very talented, very talented ball player. There's no denying that at all. And I think like you said, as we were so used to drafting the bias, he was so, so used to drafting him so high for that catcher upside and he kind of, you know, this like the last couple of years, batting average is rough, but it's improved. That's been the plus. The, the 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 OBP skills are still legit. The power and the heart, like co the contact rates, like you mentioned, the quality of contact metrics, all that stuff's very strong with MJ Melendez. So I'm with you. Like when I when I did the, the Jays pod with the Rico, um, I, I probably just kind of just overlooked Varsho. I didn't care anymore. But then where his ADP is going now, it's like, okay, look at who's going around him. Like this actually might be worth digging into at least. And I'm 100% with you on MJ Melendez. Like, when we look at ADP now, uh, he's a 291 ADP. Like, outfielders going around MJ, and he's gone as low as 323. That would be nice. Like, outfielders going around Melendez, Tommy Pham, who doesn't even have a job right now, really. I'll take MJ. Jeff McNeil, probably taking MJ on that one. Uh, Jose Siri, give me MJ Melendez. Like, you got Chris Bryant, Max Kepler. That's probably closer than they you'd think, but they're, they're there. So, to your point, long-winded way of saying it for me, is I think we are kind of downplaying what he's doing so much. And I'm, I'm with you on this one. Is It's one thing I need to kind of cross out in my list and get back to reality on MJ Melendez. All right, let's talk Vinny P, Vinny Pascatino, the big Sasquatch, one of the best Twitter followers out – like follows, not follows, he doesn't follow me, follows out there. <laughs> um, again, another – this is why I love this Royals team. There's some some age, but some really, really young ball players here. And Vinny P going to be uh, – he's 26 right now, coming off that very, very injury-riddled season. He missed uh, the last half of it, basically. But he's healthy. Videos are looking strong for Vinny. He's got a 176 ADP. So what are we thinking with Vinny P? Are we, are we jumping back? Are we, are we thinking that's value, or is that about right? Uh, it, it's definitely value, in my opinion. Uh, and I've, I've talked uh, – several times recently on on the wire about how after doing my first couple of drafts and drafting guys like freddie freeman and pete alonzo matt olson um and realizing later in drafts that i already had a first baseman and 
maybe even a corner by the time some of these other first basemen are left. I know that talk is that first base is a position to prioritize. I've realized the more and more that I'm drafting that I am more than happy waiting a little while, uh, maybe taking one of those top guys, but not drafting my corner until we get down to this range and, and even a little bit later. Uh, Vinny P's season cut short due to injury. And many people would say that is the 61 games he played were a little disappointing and they were, however, that it still wasn't bad. A 247 batting average doesn't hurt us in fantasy these days. He's more than likely going to have uh, quite a bit higher average in 2024 now that he's healthy. Uh, if you prorate his nine home runs, uh, 24 and 26 runs in RBI, they they pretty much come out to pretty close to where he's projected by Steamer for 2024 we're looking at a guy mid-20s home runs absolutely could approach 30 80 ish runs and rbi with a 270 to 280 batting average more than happy to take that where Vinny pasquantino is currently being drafted and just look at all through the minors and his couple of seasons at the major league level the, the strikeout and walk rates, absolutely amazing. Walks almost as much as he strikes out. And for a guy that has the power that he can uh, exhibit, that that's absolutely amazing. Yeah, his uh, his walks and strikeouts, this is Alejandro Kirk type stuff that people drool over. Um, it's it, it's elite, elite stuff, for, especially for a young ball player. And he's done it in his first two years or stints in the big, so it's not just a minor league thing. And I agree. People see the 247 average. He's a career, heck, 290 guy. So uh, if you get 276, 280, outstanding. Uh, it's just a matter of, like the question I think a lot of people have with the power translate to the 24 home runs guy. I think it could definitely, especially as he gets older and, and more power develops. I think it could be fun. So I'm with you. I've been looking at him in drafts. And I'm like, wow, I, I figured he'd budge by now. He really hasn't. And it, it's really interesting going around like Isak Paredes and some other guys, good ball players. But it's like, hey, this is Vinny P, dude. <laughs> I don't know. I guess the ballpark is what everyone's worried about, but I, I think we're we're on board there. Let's. I also get, think yeah. there's still this uh, narrative that the Royals are a bad baseball team, and I they know. have been. But their offense wasn't bad for most of last season. You know, the second half, they were top 10 in the league in run scored. Uh, and the, the ballpark, we get – Yes, it's bad for home runs, but it's near the top in the league as far as runs scored. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it hurts home runs a little bit, but it is a great offensive environment due to the massive outfield there in Kaufman. I agree, and that's why I love this. Like I was really excited to talk about this team. Is There's always the running joke that many of us have. It's, there's quote-unquote bad teams with really good fantasy players on them, um, and the Royals are a I don't even think they're that bad of a. I think they're closer to 500 than people think going this year. I really do personally. Um, but yeah, you mentioned like Bobby Witt, amazing. Salvador Press, still very good. Uh, Andrew Melinda is not as horrific as we want to think. Vinny P, if healthy, could be fun. There's a handful of names we're still going to talk about that were quite productive last year. And the beauty is you can get them later in drafts. This is the fun part about the Royals because, like you said, the narrative, not that good still. Um, Here's one of the new members of the Royals, though. We'll get back to some of these young bucks, but let's go back. We've got a guy, you know, age appropriate here, go above 30 for a second. 
to 32. And this is Hunter Renfro. This one, like the pitching moves, totally understood that the Royals made sense. This one, I was kind of like, okay. And then they traded Edward Oliveras like the next day. So that kind of made sense in this move. But Hunter Renfro comes to the Kansas City Royals. We know who Renfro is. Usually a, a mediocre average guy, pop in his bat. But what are you thinking with the Royals this year with Renfro? ADP of 368 over the last month or so. What are your expectations? I think this is a great signing for a team like the Royals. Uh, very affordable. They, they were looking for an, uh, another bat in the outfield. Uh, it seems a little crazy thinking that Hunter Renfro at 32 years old is an upgrade in outfield defense, but that may be the case here with someone we're going to talk about here in a little bit. And, and I know you love his bat as well. We talked about him last season, Nelson Velasquez, not, not a great fielder. Uh, Hunter Renfro is an upgrade from that. I am a little concerned about the playing time. Uh, I think it will be a little better than he's being projected for by steamer, just 97 games and a little over, excuse me, a little over 400 plate appearances, but uh, not not the elite, elite strikeout and walk numbers throughout his career like Vinny Pasquantino, but very good for someone that has his power. Low 20 strikeout rates, uh, you know, 7 8% walk rate. And I think we see a bounce back. I know that uh, I just, as we just talked about, Kaufman, not the greatest ballpark for home runs in Major League Baseball, but it, Hunter Renfro, it, it doesn't matter. When, when, when he barrels the ball, it's going out of most any ballpark. So I, I, I think on a, a, a per at bat basis, we see him being that 30 home run guy that we've seen, you know, three of the previous four years, actually three in a row, because the one that wasn't was 2020. So he was a 30 home run bat for three consecutive seasons with a batting average that, you know, 250 to 260 there for a couple of seasons. I see, I think we see him bounce back from the the 233 i think we see that little bit of pop again steamer agrees as far as on a per at bat basis it's just that they don't have the playing time mm -hmm. i think he'll get a little more again after those first four guys we talked about uh nobody on this royals team i don't believe is going to get 600 plate appearances but hunter renfro may approach 500 uh, rather than the 400 he's projected for. So once again, five outfielder leagues, he, he's definitely someone I'm looking at. I remember a couple of years ago, you and I, <laughs> I would hear you say the same thing that I was saying as we were doing our uh, fab projections or fab articles each week. Like, why is Hunter Renfro still available yeah. in these 10 and 12 team leagues? Because he was, he was, he was near the top in four of the five roto categories even four if we were only accounting in the three outfielder league uh and it, it's just mind-boggling to me how we get you know we get caught up on the narrative of a player yeah. you know low batting average that he'd had in the past he was hitting much better for two full seasons and uh, i think we see him approaching that again on a once again on a per at bat basis in 2024 I think it's a great point. And you know, like you said, the 
the, the thing with projections we always have to try to figure out is playing time is the hardest one that they at least have an issue with. So you can kind of tweak things your way. That's why you said per plate appearance. So then you can tweak it to the at-bats you want, basically plate appearances you want. Um, last year, 140 games. He had a down 2022 20, due to injury to 125 games. Still 522 plate appearances, though. Then 144 games. Short in 2020 season, played 42 of the 60. Uh, 2019, 140 games. So basically, and he had 494. So let's just say in the last four full seasons of baseball, he's had 500 plate appearances. Like, so to say the 408 this year, and then you look at the Royals roster resource page, and honestly, obviously a lot can shift, and none of these are foolproof. You know, Kerwin's got his awesome playing time pages as well. And I told him after the after the previews, we'll, we're going to go to his once it, everything's ironed out there. But you look at the, the Royals roster, there aren't a whole lot of guys nipping at Renfro's feet to take playing time from him, barring an injury. Like you said, there's not a lot of lefties on the bench to platoon with. There's just, there's those options aren't there. So I think you're right. Like 130 to 140 games really seems feasible uh, for Hunter Renfro, barring injuries. Not that old. 32, really not as old as people want to think it is. So I'm with you. I think there's, there's definitely more to it. Could be a nice value, especially when you mentioned my boy. Nelson Velasquez like I am a huge Velasquez dude but yeah if you can't play defense you're gonna DH and then if you have Salvador Perez there he's gonna take some DH at bats and then if you the Edvin Renfro probably will get a few DH at bats because you know I've said he's not old but he's old enough to get DH at bats so Nelson Velasquez to me like I love the man the average is what it is but the power is as legit as you can find it it is light tower power basically um, and he's going like 80 picks before Renfro, 283 compared to like the 363. So what are your expectations, Velasquez? Another young player, development can keep changing, but if you can't play defense, it's not going to matter. Yeah, you nailed it with those three guys. Salvador Perez is going to get some time at DH. We know that. Velasquez is going to be the primary designated hitter for this team, and Renfro probably gets a, a, a few games at designated hitter as well. So that brings his playing time down, uh, but it's going to be really hard to keep him out of the lineup. Now, nobody expects him to hit 17 home runs every 179 plate appearances. That was absolutely amazing, but even taking his AAA numbers with the, the Chicago Cubs in 2023. And he had 33 home runs and just over 500 plate appearances. Now that is realistically what I think we could be looking at for 2024. His strikeout rate does approach 30%, but he does walk a decent amount for somebody with his power. So we're probably looking at a 240-ish batting average close to if not 30 home runs and in in 500 plate appearances you just have to be prepared that he probably not quite an everyday played uh everyday player we're probably looking at 500 plate appearances rather than 600 yeah and that is um the, the tricky part with with mr nelson velasquez and because uh, he's going around like parker meadows has been a fun discussion point because he should play pretty much every day South Felix there, but none of those guys have Nelson Power, Brandon Donovan, Max Kepler. So if you need power, that's your dude. If you want maybe more consistent playing time, questions will be made, obviously. But um, I'm a fan. I had so many DC shares last year just because I, I I believe in the power from AAA with the Cubs. I thought it would come with the Cubs, but when he got traded, I remember my tweet immediately like, sweet, playing time, just playing Royals. Here you go. Right. And that part was fun for DCs, but I just – 
I, I'll be honest, I don't have a ton of shares early on in my draft season now just because where he's going and team builds, it hasn't fit, but it has nothing to do against him. I think I just need to, at this point now, where you have to pay to, to, to get him, I need to see it, essentially. Like, he's a starter at that price point, and you need those at-bats. That's the, the tricky part. And then another reason is we have another outfielder. That's starting to get a lot more buzz, not just from like the the outside, like like deep deep diehard fan, uh, fantasy players. But you're seeing a few more articles on a Kyle Isbell, and this is a dude I know on a Bubba in the Bloom Baseball HQ show we did that uh, he was brought up as a guy that could have like 15 15 potential. He's got an ADP of 540 right now. He's gone as high as 451, so he's not like just down there. But this is a guy that um, people are very optimistic on. But what kind of optimism should we have in 2024? The Royals, uh, from what I'm seeing, are that they're going to let Kyle Isbell determine what happens in 2024. He is the everyday center fielder for the Kansas City Royals. And if he performs, he'll stay there. Uh, so we're looking at will he perform the great thing about 2023 was the drastic drop in strikeout rate uh he he was a great hitter at UNLV i follow a lot of college baseball grew up in omaha nebraska home of the college world series so i love yeah. college baseball as well loved watching him clear back when he was at UNLV was excited he was the the one hitter the royals drafted early the year they drafted all the college pitchers uh, they they took him out of UNLV, and so I I am a believer power speed combo. Uh, I think we can give this projection a bit of a bump, definitely in the playing time. And the great thing about Kyle Isbell for Fab Leagues is we're going to know early whether you know you can draft him in the last round of a fab draft right now. Mm -hmm. And we're going to know really early because if he's not performing, they're going to make a move. The Royals have said uh, both the GM, uh, JJ Piccolo and the manager, Mark Cotraro have both said, we are done evaluating players at the major league level. We're now going to play the guys that give us the best chance to win. So we'll know soon. And at this point in a draft, it's perfect for a guy like Kyle Isbell. If he's not performing, he's going to be gone and you can cut him. Perfect. Yeah. And I'm a fan of that. And that's, this is one of those that you could see if he has like a, a nice start to spring training. Now all of a sudden that, that ADP could like jump 200 spots from the five zone, if not more, because now he's a very relevant 15, 15 type guy. If we believe the playing time is there. So this is the time of year to jump on those potential opportunities. Michael Garcia. Uh, talk about jumping onto the scene last year. He really got things going in the fantasy landscape. Uh, you know, third base was a, a rough position, but you can get him on the waiver wire, get him late in drafts, tons of speed, 23 steals last year, hit for average, minimal pop, I guess, is the bugaboo if you're going to have one with Mikhail Garcia, but 221 ADP over the last month. What are our thoughts on Mr. Garcia? He's like he's going right next to like Junior Camonero, Ryan McMahon, Luis Ringifo, my boy, stuff like that. You know, I'm a little surprised uh, in the drafts I've done. I thought I would be able to get him a little later, and uh, I don't think I have him on a team yet. Maybe one. He, he's he's being drafted by others a little earlier than I expected. Um, Mike Curlin, you brought up his, his lineup uh, work that he does that is absolutely amazing, and he tweeted about this fairly recently. Michael Garcia 
is going to have a lot more plate appearances than he's being projected for. He is the leadoff hitter for the Kansas City Royals, and he's only projected for 125 games. I believe he is the near everyday third baseman hitting leadoff. Well, this is a guy, one of the the few after we get past Bobby Witt Jr., Vinny Pasquantino, and and the some of the the top guys in the lineup. He is at the top, and I believe will have over 600 plate appearances. That gets him to double-digit home runs and maybe approaching 30 stolen bases with a great batting average. So, uh, obviously, I'm not the only one that believes that, as he is going higher in drafts than I expected him to, but I, I think it's well worth it, and I have to, I have to push him up a little bit. If you're good on power, he's not going to give you a lot. Like I said, Double digits is low. Double digits is probably all we're going to get to. But the stolen bases with a great batting average, run scored should probably approach 100 runs scored. If 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 not score 100 runs, hitting leadoff for this team. So at, at least three of the five roto categories. And uh, yeah, I Mike Curlin put that out there a couple of weeks ago, and I couldn't agree more with the fact that he is their everyday leadoff hitter. Yeah, that's a a great uh, player to like pair if, if early on, say you go with like a judge or a, 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 a Bryce Harper or somebody that, you know, is going to get you great stats, but not steal that kind of guy. Or even a, even a batting average drain like Schwarber. Yeah. He's going to get great you one. the stolen bat stolen bases and bring up the batting average as well. So this is one of those great ones. Where we talk lineup construction and that might mean you have to push him up around or two, like Garen lock in, you get him. But if he is going to be the leadoff man, because that's the beauty of why I do appreciate what Curlin does is because he puts some ridiculous hours and in mind into what he does. I, I, I see a lot of it behind the scenes when I talk to him all the time. And um, it, it's really impressive because roster resource, it's great. Like I said, it's not the end-all be-all. If they got NJ Melinda's leading off, they have Garcia batting ninth. If Garcia's batting ninth, yeah, he probably wouldn't get more than like 515 at-bats or whatever. That's 100%. But you that just transitioning to the top of the order. Now you're hitting also in front of Wit and Pascantino and Salvi, so more runs scored. You just you just go across the board on what Garcia can do. So if he does become in fact that everyday leadoff guy at third base, tremendous, tremendous boost to his fantasy value. Very, very interesting there. Yeah, last gentleman. Thing, I, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Bubba. One no other thing. Uh, I listen and read a lot of Kansas City Royals based stuff. Obviously, the beat writers, uh, the Royals podcasters. This is the guy everybody is looking at as the 2024 breakout for the Kansas City Royals. So there, there, there is talk throughout. Uh, you know the people that follow the Royals even more closely than I do that he could outperform what what we're expecting. Well, I'm looking forward to that. It's been a big note on the outline here to uh, I put stars next to Michael Garcia. I need to do a little more love in my my prep for, for third base on that one. Um, the last guy I have down here, and we'll see if you have anybody else worth mentioning fantasy-wise after this, is uh, – tell me how to pronounce – I say Freddie Fermin is how I pronounce it. Is that correct? I do as well. Yep. Okay, cool. Just want to check. Um, I am a big fan. I know a lot of other people are just because – the hit tool he showcased in his 70 games last year, nine homers is not bad actually in 70 games, but he hit 281. And I think that's insanely valuable for a backup catcher, honestly. And um, I, I like him in deeper formats. The question I have for you is ADP's 380. So he's still getting drafted. Like he's around Travis Darnold and uh, like Patrick Bailey. Bailey's got an everyday role, Young Gomes and stuff like that. Obviously, Salvi's still there. 
But I think, you know, the, we talked about the DHing with Salvi. We talked about other options potentially. How much of a role do you think for mean plays? Is he more of a guy left for the waiver wire, or is there a world where he could become a guy you see as a catcher too? It was hilarious, Bubba. Uh, last offseason when Adam and I joined you together, I, I said on the show that Freddie Fermin would be on the opening day roster. And immediately after we were done recording, he got sent down. <laughs> so I've been big on Freddie Fermin for the, for the past couple of seasons. Uh, yes, Salvador Perez, I think, still wants to catch. And I think he is one of the players that what he wants to do still carries a lot of weight with the organization. So unfortunately, we're not going to see the plate appearances that that we may want to see from Freddie Fermin. I think they'll be great when he does play. Um, I have drafted him in 15-team, uh, two-catcher leagues. That, that may end up being one of my first fab moves of the season is replacing him depending on how much time we do see him actually playing he's only projected for 234 plate appearances by steamer now of course if anything happens to salvador perez or if just enough happens to salvador perez that they they need to play him uh, more a designated hitter or if something happens with Vinny P again and he's playing more first base then he's somebody I go run into the waiver wire to add but unfortunately I just don't think we're going to have enough plate appearances to start the season but definitely somebody to keep an eye on and grab immediately if Salvador Perez's role changes at all okay yeah no that's where I'm at like I love the talent obviously you do as well you were on him before I was and um I just the, the the whole idea is well, you gotta have a place to play, and that's where it gets tricky with for me. And so maybe it's maybe it's another year because we all have to be realistic. As much as we love Salvi, like great for the game, he is getting old for a catcher. Like I say, I said like Hunter Renfro's not old. Well, Salvi's old for a catcher. He's not old for a baseball player. He's old for a catcher, especially a catcher that's literally played so many games in his career. Eventually, they got to find a way to maybe you know Nelson Velasquez struggles and Salvi just goes to play DH. Who knows? Like there's there's ways to it. Like you said, just be prepared. For Freddie for me. Uh, any other potential bats to keep an eye on for fantasy? Uh, I know there's a lot of platoon options, but the one good thing, at least early on when looking at the Royals, is there's not as many platoons as we should be like scared compared to other teams. But is there anybody else worth looking at for fantasy before we head to the mound? I think I would keep an eye on, especially in spring training and then early in the season, how much playing time does Dyron Blanco get? Because his his stolen bases are off the charts. Uh, many people may remember he stole. He was 47 out of 49 in 49 games at AAA last season. When he came up to the major league level, he got into 69 games. Now, here's the key. Only 138 plate appearances in 69 games. That's two plate appearances per game he got into. So he's, and Adam and I talk about this throughout the season when we're talking about we need stolen bases and we're streaming for stolen bases. Guys like this don't have to start to help us in the stolen base category. So in deep leagues throughout the season, he's probably going to be available on your waiver wire. Somebody to keep an eye on. If the Royals have a seven-game week, you think he's going to get into three or four of those games due to matchups, he's, he can definitely help you out in the stolen base category without hurting your batting average because he, he does hit for average, just no power at all. Okay, good to know. 
Good to know. I remember, yeah, he had his moments last year. People got really pumped when he got called up, but the PT was not there. Let's go to the mound. We want to talk pumped. Let's talk pumped. Cole freaking Reagans, everybody. Talk about lighting Twitter. Help. Reagan's ace is gonna ace. He's got his picture. Man of the people, man of the business, man of the company, right there. Kevin Hayes, if you're watching the video, wearing the the Reagan shirt. Uh, I've, I've, you know, Nick Pollock, probably one of the biggest Cole Reagan's uh, people out there, was all over it, and uh, it was great to see. Had an amazing first season with the Royals uh, after he got traded, and just just blossomed into, a, into an ace. And it was it was awesome to watch every fifth day. Now the question I have for you that many people have, and it's a question that I don't even have the right answer for, his ADP is 106, 107. He's got as high as 92, as low as 122 in the last month. What are we thinking with Cole Reagans? Because, like, it was amazing. I guess he's going back to, I think, tread again this, this season, too, to work on more pitching stuff. Are we thinking this is who he is or a guy that's already had a couple arm surgeries? Are we like, hey, like, it was awesome, but, like, maybe take a couple steps back? Yeah, that 92 is me and uh, that min pick. And I awesome. have actually drafted him earlier than that in other drafts that were taking place earlier in the offseason. I have him on every team except one. Uh, that is a league that I knew due to where we were drafting, and I didn't want to take him too much too early. I knew my co-host Adam Howe was grabbing him uh, before he'd come back to me in that draft, uh, the only place I don't have him. Uh, I love Cole Reagans. It's it's about he's like Nick Pollock says all the time. He's a unicorn. He has five pitches and they all miss bats. That is absolutely amazing. Uh, I I've been drafting him as my SP two uh, in in most instances. Even if I do grab an early pitcher, then an SP three even better. He did wear down a little bit towards the end of the season and we saw him lose a little bit of control as he was wearing down i really think that's why we saw him regress in 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 the walk percentage late in the season but you know it was it was his his first full season of innings at the major league level he's gonna build up again through throughout the off season so i'm not too concerned about that um, I'm not too concerned about you. We hear about the two Tommy Johns. It wasn't two separate Tommy Johns. It was a second one to fix something that went wrong in the first one. So I, I think in, in my opinion, I'm not a doctor, but in my opinion, that makes it better than some of the other pitchers we, we've seen that have had two Tommy Johns and, and then we don't see as much success out of them in the future. So at, there, there's not much else I can say. I am all about Cole Reagans, and I'm grabbing him everywhere I can. That's great to know because, honestly, I didn't know that the second one was just to basically fix the issue on the first one. That's actually really good to know. I just saw two basically TJ surgeries, and that was nothing I want to see. But, um, yeah, I love him. As I said, it's just one of those things. I think I'll I'll definitely ask some shares. I don't have any yet. Uh, it'll come down to, like, as, a, as an SP2 or 3, I, I agree. I think it's great. I think that, like the times I've had the chance to like really debate taking him, it was when I waited on pitching. I'm like, can I stomach him as an SP1? I don't think so. So it was one of those conundrums, but I agree. Talent's ridiculous. If he gets better and better, I'm, I'm all aboard that train. One of the new acquisitions, we have a couple we're going to discuss here for the Royals. Let's start with Michael Waka, veteran Michael Waka. The crazy thing to me when I looked at Waka earlier, he's only going to be 32 this year. Like, I feel like he's been pitching forever. 
and still 32 is, is what it is. Like he's been in the big since 2013. Um, that's a 10 year run folks. So let's keep track at home 11 years, potentially depending on how you do your math, but, uh, impressive stuff last year, got the job done. It's boring. Not a lot of strikeouts, but a 280 ADP becomes a later round pitcher for you. What are your thoughts on Michael Walker? He has definitely outperformed his underlying metrics over the last couple of seasons, uh, but he's done that throughout his career. Uh, other than 2020, the, the shortened season, it was even shorter for him. He only had 34 innings pitched in, in 2020. He has always outperformed the numbers. That scares me a little bit, but pitchers like this have had great success in Kauffman Stadium suppresses the home runs which in 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 the years where he has had a five plus era or six plus era even the home run rate has been the issue so do i think he's gonna have a a three three two or three two two era like he had the last two seasons Probably not, but do I think it's going to be a four, six, seven like he's projected for, which I know they're based on the underlying numbers and I understand. Also, no, he's outperformed those underlying numbers throughout his career when he's healthy. So I haven't drafted him yet. Uh, I I have no problem drafting him. It just hasn't worked out that I was looking for a pitcher at the times he's available. Uh, but with the improved offense, we've been talking about most of the show in Kansas City, with it being a great pitcher's ballpark. Uh, I'm all about chasing wins, and as crazy as it sounds, for a Kansas City Royals team, I think this is somebody that can really pile up double-digit wins, maybe get to that you know, 12, 13 uh, in, in wins. He's had 11 and 14 the last couple of seasons. Decent ERA, probably right around four, maybe high threes. But like I said, not not approaching five like he's projected for. Um, I'm I'm okay with Michael Walker. Not somebody I'm really excited about. However, Kansas City Royals haven't made signings like this in six or seven years, so that does give me some excitement that that they are they are trying here. Yeah, most definitely. They definitely are trying. That's why like, I tweeted it a long time ago after the next signing took place. I'm like, hey, love them or hate them. Like, they're doing something. They're trying to make a run, contending in the AL Central, which is all you can ask for. Um, Waka's, yeah, I'm not, like, reaching for him in drafts. I, I don't mind him in a DC, honestly, because he's going to give you those innings that you look for later in a draft, which you what you want. He's just – got to have strikeouts on your team already. That's the biggest thing for me with him. Like you mentioned, ratios should be decent enough. Um, he's going to go five or six innings pretty much every start. That's who he is. I think he's a great streamer throughout the season if he's not drafted somewhere, but someone will have him rostered for sure. Seth Lugo, this is the one I, I saw the contract. I'm like, Giants? Anybody? Bueller? Like, what are we doing here? This would have been great in San Francisco. I was really hoping for it. But I think it's a great move for the Royals. I know it's another older pitcher. He's going to be 34 this year. We've never really seen him. They just, like, literally – he had 26 starts this last year in his 26 appearances. He had seven starts in 2020, five in 2018, 18 in 2017. He basically had two years where he had zero starts in 21 and 22. So they brought him back to the starting rotation. Still looked good. Ratios were good. Strikeouts weren't bad. What are your expectations for Seth Lugo, who has an, uh, an ADP of around 265 right now? Very similar to Michael Walker. Um, I 
the ballpark is going to help him continue to outperform the underlying metrics. Uh, a great example, Vargas won 20 games for the Kansas City Royals right. not too long yeah, ago, right? Vargas Royals. Yeah, exactly. And, and so both of these guys, I think, are going to benefit ballpark and improved offense and that everything we said about Michael Walker ditto right here for Seth Lugo. Yep. Yeah. I'm with you. I, if I have to pick one of the two, I'll take Lugo, but I'm a hundred percent concerned with the fact I mentioned 26 starts last year. We have not seen him like in his career combined, he's barely over 26 starts. So like, I, but he's at the age too, where the Royals don't care. Like just throw baby, just throw until our younger kids get there. All right. I need you to either talk me, give me, be the voice of reason for me, uh, Kevin on Brady singer. Cause I, I know you listen to, to my shows and others have, and, I'm the the naive one that Bloomfield loves to make fun of. He's my boy, one of my many boys, apparently. Um, Singer had an up and down year. Five five two ERA doesn't look great. Four two eight xFIP, not bad. I'll, I'll roll with it. Its strikeouts can be an issue uh, when it comes to Singer, but what I see is the second half improvements, which I liked a lot, and I really like an ADP of four sixty if we're trying to take chances on people. So uh, that's like the big reason. Like if he was a two eighty ADP. Definitely wouldn't be one of my boys. Let's put it that way. But 460, I'm willing to start looking at the positives and see what we can find. What are you seeing with like a Brady Singer? You could totally tell me I'm an idiot and I'm wrong. I'm cool with that. But what do you see as someone that watches, has probably watched his whole career? So what do you think on Brady Singer? We need to see that third pitch. Uh, uh, Gialde brought it up in, in the chat room on one of your recent shows when Brady Singer came up. Uh, Brady Singer publicly said a couple of years ago i don't need a third pitch he's wrong and i i think he may finally realize that between that if he can because when he has thrown it the very few times that he's thrown it his changeup has been decent he needs to get more comfortable with it throw it more often and we'll see improvement that combined with the the, the weight off of his shoulders. He was expected to be the ace of this team. Now he's the four, right? I think that helps a lot as well. I think he's going to be more comfortable, go out there and, and pitch and not worry about trying to be the stopper when the Royals are on a 13-game losing streak. So I, I like him, especially in DCs at where he's going now. And he's one of those guys that – keep a close eye on spring training early in the season. If he's throwing that change up more often, or maybe he's developed a different third pitch, but I, I assume it would be the change up. If he's throwing a third pitch, you know, 15% of the time or close to it, then I'm in even in fab leagues and I would pick him up pretty quickly. Not somebody I'm drafting in a fab league right now, but I'd pick him up pretty quickly. If we see that change in, in his repertoire. Yeah, I'm excited about it. So I, I think it's one of those, like, you see the adjustments Cole Reagan's made. You mentioned, like, he says, like, Stringer or Singer said, I don't need a third pitch. I'm like, I hate to break it to you, Singer. You're not Spencer Strider, so you do need a third pitch. Exactly. Like, that's just the reality of the situation. Like, you're good. You're good, kid. But you're not Spencer Strider, two-pitch good. Like, that's just not the reality. Majority of pitchers don't succeed on two pitches unless you're in the bullpen. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I hope he figures it out because I think there's definitely something there that I, I told you. Like, I might be naive. I may be overly optimistic. But I just, ah, yeah, 460 ADP on a DC. Uh, color me intrigued. Let's put it that way. Like, I, I'm intrigued on that one. 
Um, like right now, Jordan Lyles is the projected fifth pitcher. I think that'll s- suffice if needed. Not ideal, but works. Um, are we looking at anybody else in the rotation or potential guys to join the rotation throughout the season that entertain you in, in a draft right now? Maybe in a DC, somebody like Alec Marsh, who's shown flashes. I have Alec Marsh in almost every league because of you, by the way. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I uh, he, he performed great late in the season as a follower last year. Picked up a couple of wins for us. If we were uh, those of us that were, you know, I don't know if Braves the right word, maybe crazy enough to put him in a starting lineup. Uh, I, I think he's probably the next guy up. Uh, they're going to give Jordan Lyles a chance. I mean, he did exactly what they asked him to do last season. Go out there and throw innings. Even when you're getting blown up, we're going to leave you out there for six or seven. And uh, he's being rewarded for that. Um, uh, and now he's the five. And he, I, he's probably not going to be the five at the end of the season. So somebody like Alec Marsh is somebody I could see moving into that role. So very late in a DC or and then keep an eye out uh, throughout the season when as, as soon as they make the move. I think Alec Marsh is much more talented than Jordan Lyles, so he'd be more palatable on our fantasy teams. Well, I am music to my ears right there. Uh, let's head to oh, – I'll just do it really. For those that are curious, Marsh has an ADP of 721, as high as 616. There's a reason I have him. Not basically. even being drafted in some DCs. So Yeah, yeah. literally, this, the ADP I'm looking at right now from the 13th, there's been 13 drafts. He's been drafted in six, so less than half, basically. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Let's hope that gets uh, put into fruition. I'd be a big fan of that. Let's head to the bullpen real quick, and it's been an interesting year. Like Many like James MacArthur. Uh, they went and brought in Will Smith. They brought in Nick Anderson. So there's all these – like questions on how the bullpen will shake out. I think MacArthur, at least for now, still interesting, but you look at even roster resource, they have four guys with a closer next to him. And um, MacArthur's got an ADP of around 355. If somehow that happens, that's a gift. But how do you kind of see this shaking out? It feels definitely like a committee in Kansas City. Yes. So this is really tricky, Bubba. And uh, I've looked at this a lot because I I was kind of shocked uh, when Rob DiPietro at First Pitch Arizona told me in the last couple of DCs he'd done at the time that uh, MacArthur was being drafted in the early 200s as if he was the definite everyday closer for the Kansas City Royals. And yes, he ended the season great in 2023 for them. And But I was still a little surprised. He's come down due to all of these that I mean, the Royals had the worst bullpen in baseball last season, and they've signed a lot of guys, Chris Stratton uh, and and Anderson and Will Smith, and all these guys are in the mix. I don't think Will Smith is going to be the closer, at least on anything close to a regular basis. As of right now, he's the only left-hander in the bullpen. So I think he'll be used earlier in games when when necessary. I do put a lot of stock in, as I've heard you talk about, Adam talks about it all the time, the, the arbitration eligible players getting saves, that that's going to cost you money if you let them get saves. Mm-hmm. That, would, that would bring Nick Anderson probably to the forefront of the closer role in Kansas City. Yeah. I don't think that's what they want to do. I think they want it to be MacArthur, and he 
it's not arbitration eligible until 2026. So I don't think they're going to be as worried about this with him as they normally might be if he was going to be arbitration eligible next season. I believe the Royals want MacArthur to be their closer most days. Of course, once again, Matt Cotraro, he came from Tampa, right? And Tampa does use a closer more than most people realize a set guy, but they do mix things up. Mm-hmm. So it, it it wouldn't be every save opportunity, but I do think to start the season, MacArthur is going to be the ninth inning guy for Kansas City most days, and his ADP has dropped over 100 spots since they made these other bullpen signings. And now I'm very interested in in the buying opportunity. Yeah, 355, I know I have a lot of shares in MacArthur because for me, like especially that late in deep DCs, if he got saves upside, great. At worst, get me ratios and other things. Like I'm, I'm down for that in the DC all day long. Nick Anderson's a 531. If you want to double dip, go get Nick Anderson to go with MacArthur. Like roll with it. Those are the, those are the kind of like, uh, committees and later on like pitching picks. I love. Like let's go, let's figure it out and and see where it goes. Like if all those fails, Anderson gets traded at the deadline if he's good, and then MacArthur gets the second half of saves. Like there's lots of lots of ways you can see it being pieced together. I think your point on Will Smith is. 100% on point when he's the only lefty in that bullpen, especially the, the Rays mindset. Yeah, he ain't getting saved for the ninth if there's a need for him earlier. That's just not going to happen if there's a lefty situation early on. So, like, when big Josh Naylor comes to the play and then Bo Naylor's there, like, Will Smith's getting used in that inning. He's not getting used in the Exactly. Ninth. So that's just like that's just one of the many examples you can make. But, um, yeah, that, that'll be interesting. So I, I was wondering because, like, that drop in ADP from MacArthur, I was like, what in the world? 355 is – like, we, we see – Closers going so early in drafts, and to get a potential closer, and I know there's questions, but a 355 even for a potential closer, it's pretty wild to think about. So, um, yeah, interesting stuff. All right, prospects. I know most know I am not a prospect guy. Not everybody is, um, but if you have your your thoughts on anybody in the Royal system, is there anybody in 2024 we should be uh, keeping our eye on? Not to start the season, but guys to to keep an eye on uh, Tyler Gentry. If the Kyle Isbell uh, everyday center field thing go, goes wrong, we we may see Tyler Gentry uh, come up in 2024, and, and he's interesting. But the guy that I'm excited about, and we saw him at the end of 2023, is Nick Lofton. Um, another guy that I was excited when they drafted him out of college. He he played at Baylor um, and was was wonderful there. His strikeout rate well below 20%. Love it. Not a lot of power, uh, but he did have moderate power at the AAA level. Uh, in 358 plate appearances, he hit 14 home runs. Now, uh, you know, they're playing in ballparks where the, the ball flies out of at that level. But uh, – 9.5% walk rate to go along with a 13% strikeout rate in those 358 plate appearances at AAA. He did get a cup of coffee, 68 plate appearances, no home runs. But right now, Michael Massey is going to be the, the starting second baseman for the Kansas City Royals and Garrett Hampson, the utility infielder. I think Nick Lofton can play his way into either one of those roles, maybe just the utility infielder, maybe even starting 
second baseman for Kansas City. Like I said, the Royals have publicly said throughout the organization that they are playing the best players. It gives them the best chance to win ball games in 2024. A lot of it has to do with the new uh, draft order rules in Major League Baseball. They do a lottery now. Kansas City's had the second worst and third worst record in baseball the last two years, but they've picked eighth and sixth in the draft. And once you've been in the lottery two consecutive years, you're not eligible for the lottery the third year. So they will be picking outside the top 10. They're going to try to win baseball games in 2024. So uh, Nick Lofton is somebody I definitely keep an eye on, and I have been drafting in D.C.'s. Yeah, uh, he's been taking it all 13 DC since uh, this grouping of ADP since December 13th. ADP of 594, as high as 481, as low as 689. So definitely one of those end game targets to to look at. I like that as an interesting um, call out there. And I, I did not know that. I know they've made a bunch of changes. I know that the um, draft's a lottery now, at least in the first X amount of picks. I did not know that was a rule, though. After three years, you're, you're out. That's I like that rule. That is definitely an incentive, and maybe, like you said, the uh, evaluation process for the Royals, and that's maybe why they're signing some of these veteran pitchers. Still, still short deals, but hey, let's be competitive. Let's try to win some games. If it doesn't work, these guys are off the books here soon, and, and we'll cycle it and do it all over again. So that's interesting. I like that. That's one of the pluses maybe Dumb Dumb's done in the front office there in, in Major League Baseball. Uh, I'll give him credit on that one. He Actually, let's be fair. When Adam and I talked about idea. it, I said, I don't want to give Rob Manfred exactly. credit for this, but... That's a good one. You know, like the, the, the Pirates are another team. I'm, I'm thinking the same thing, you know? Yeah, I like that quite a bit. All right, Kevin, that'll wrap us up on the Royals. Awesome stuff, as always. Before we head on out, remind everybody where they can find you and what you got going on. Yeah, I'm at Hastings Kevin on the Twitter slash X machine, and uh, we I'm co-host with Adam Howe on the Wire podcast, Pitcherlist Podcast Network. You can find me quite often in the Pitcherlist Discord. Come check that out. It's amazing. You're in there a lot, Bubba. Uh, absolutely love that. And you can hear it on the Wire Sunday mornings throughout the offseason. And then once we get in season, uh, we'll be giving our, our fab recommendations for su- Sunday evenings. Yep, great podcast, guys. Uh, one of the best ones out there. You guys should know that by now because Kevin's been on the show a lot. Adam's been on the show a lot. I've been on their show a few times as well. Um, great people, good stuff. So go check them out if you're not for some crazy reason. And, yeah, this wasn't a PitcherList uh, podcast, but, yes, go check out PitcherList.com. Obviously, um, I do stuff there. Kevin does stuff there. He mentioned the Discord and PL Plus, PL Pro. It's all amazing stuff. So go check it out. And as you, if you follow things, they're doing bigger and better things these days. And you, like Kevin and I know behind the scenes some things that we can't talk about, but you're going to really enjoy the crap out of what's coming. Pitch <laughs> on, pitch it's coming up. Pitch, pitch on in. Let's coming just up say, in just a couple of weeks. Let's just say it's going to be a doozy. It's all of us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be some good stuff so i uh, hope you guys check all that out but again check out kevin on twitter at hasting kevin thanks for joining me my friend i have pleasure as always this was uh bench with Bubba, episode 626 your kansas city royals preview catch you all next time